Well, here we go, folks. We are back with another America alum, and I am so excited about this podcast because I have worked hand in hand and side by side with this gentleman uh, for a couple years, and so I am really humbled and excited that um, Chris or Chad Dreskel is able to join us on the podcast today. Um, we're going to get into his bio in just a second, but for those of you that are just tuning in to this podcast, welcome to AmeriCorps Connections. And um, this is where we get to listen to AmeriCorps alumni stories, figure out, listen to where they started and where they, where they are now. And it really, it, it actually developed through my obsession with podcasts and my love for national service. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I learned through my national service year was that connections and keeping those connections were probably the most important things to do. So I wanted to continue that work as an alumni and bring people along. Um, so this is, I think we're going into our 26th or 27th episode. I'm so excited. Like we're turning the corner. We're becoming like an adult here on this AmeriCorps Connections podcast. Um, so before I get started, shout out to Dan Medivere. As always, thank you so much, sir. He's an NCCC alumni, and he was one of the first people to step up to help me with technology because it is not my thing. And if you visited the website, you would see that it's just this thing that's sitting out there. Um, so thank you, Dan, for getting this podcast on all the platforms. Um, I don't think I have any announcements, nothing else. Okay, so I'm so excited to introduce Chad. Um, as I said, Chad and I have worked together probably for the last five years in one one way, shape, or form. Um, and, and sometimes he's saved my life. <laughs> it, it felt like when I was in the commissions. Um, but there's more to Chad than just working in the commission. Um, he's got a full life. You know, he's a dad and he's doing all these things. So I'm really hoping that you all will enjoy this conversation with Chad and um you know, discover his journey, which started with um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters with uh, AmeriCorps. So Chad, I'm going to let you step in and like, how did you find service and why did you choose it? And man, you're still really in the thick of it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, wonderful. Thank you, Nikki. I uh, am so excited to be asked to talk and share my my story and um, my passion for service and uh, and this this work. So yeah, um, Chad Driscoll, I am born and raised in Iowa, um, served, did my service in Iowa, I worked in Iowa, did my education in Iowa. So um, this is this is my home and I, I love it. I, I really like the um, just what this this part of the country has to offer. I do enjoy traveling and experiencing, you know, all of that as well. And so um, my service story really started, um, I'd say, ultimately, as a kid growing up, watching my my parents and my family involved in their community, involved in their church, involved in, um, you know, the activities around me, and they took me along, and I saw that, and I helped, whether that was at our, you know, community theater, um, uh, cleaning up, or whatever it took there, to at our church, to community events, to you know, just, just being a volunteer with my dad at, at things. And so really, um, you know, I think that instilled the opportunity and the ability to give back and be part of something bigger. Um, and so 
when I was in college, uh, I went to St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa. There, I was an involved student. Um, there was one club meeting that this organization, this mentoring organization, Big Brothers Big Sisters, came and said, hey, we'd really love to have an opportunity to bring some of our youth and have them matched with college students um, and bring them on campus. Maybe they can meet on campus, do some some activities just to experience what what this life is like and what it can bring for them. Yeah. Um, and so from there, I raised my hand and said, sure, I'd, I'd be interested in kind of exploring what type of what this program could look like. Fast forward, you know, six months, we kind of piloted it. And then the organization got an AmeriCorps grant and they said, hey, would you like to do this and become an AmeriCorps member and help run this and kind of help us grow this program, this new model that we have? What, and what so, year was that? Yeah. What year was that? So 2006 is when I started serving as an AmeriCorps member. Okay. Mm -hmm. When you were interacting with the students, like what were you doing? Yeah, well, and really, you know, these, the, the, the youth that were in the program, in this mentoring program, most of them were elementary age. And really the, um, the whole idea is just to play, sit down and play a game. You know, you might play a board game, you might go for a walk around the campus, you might go to the gym to experience like, oh, they have this activity. Um, we did bring it, you know, partner with some of the um, professors on campus, whether they were in science or, or some of the other fields to do some, you know, programming, um, but some structured activities, but most of it was just you know, that bond, that building a relationship, a, you know, potential friendship there and just having a, an opportunity to meet, you know, and the, one of the fun activities we did every year was around the Halloween time, we'd carve pump, pumpkins. And these kids, they might never have that. Or maybe they have a family of, you know, two other brothers and sisters, and they have to share one pumpkin. And so like, mm -hmm. just they had their own that they could call their own too. So just experiences like that. Um, was all that program was about and still is in 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 those youth mentoring programs across the country. And so I guess it was just, great. I guess also just the f familiar, I can't, some words I just try to say and I can't. <laughs> f being familiar, I'll just say that, being familiar with and comfortable with being on a college campus, <clears throat> right? Mm -hmm. Like I remember when my mom went back to school in, and I was young and I remember like sitting in, I don't know, like the garden or something while she was in classes. And so I was just kind of on campus. And the same thing kind of happened to my yep. kids because I went back to school when I was later in my 30s, 20s. I'm so young. Um, I, I went back later in life. And my yes. kids, like my son actually remembers like being on campus. So I guess that's the point mm -hmm. of it too, of like Correct. seeing like seeing them there. Like this is something you could be part of is that yep okay. exactly yep and that Got was it. part of why the organization was like this is a missing maybe opportunity for us and so they mm -hmm. came to us and and so i as an america member i i helped launch that new program and initiative and ran that for a couple years did. as as an americorps member so that was my service experience um and then um i graduated and then the org and i I was done with my, I did my two years because um, I did it while I was a student too. So I did part-time terms um, and uh, graduated and they had an opening for a program director. And so 
they I interviewed and became the program director of that AmeriCorps program and did that for about three years or so um, and really um, was a great opportunity recruiting members being able to say I served I understand yeah. this I know the struggles with a supervisor relationship or just yes. serving in this organization all of that and so that was really exciting and then um, I had the opportunity as a program director to work and get to know a service commission too and that staff and a program officer and what that looks like and um thought oh that could be interesting someday if I you know maybe I that could be an opportunity to grow in this and and really I saw that then as a pathway I guess a career opportunity in national service you know when I started in this I I didn't think or realize that national service is a career opportunity or a place I'd want to go I did enjoy the nonprofit world. So I understood that. I understood the like um, um, structure there and the ability to to kind of focus on something, but also like you could be pulled in a lot of other ways too, which was that, that fit me as just kind of my interest in wanting to learn new things. Yeah. And I want to just double down on your, like the epiphany. Cause I feel like, I feel like I did the same thing. Like I, you know, I was part of a program and then I, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, was involved with a commission. And for those folks that aren't familiar with a commission, uh, basically it's every, every state and territory, Puerto Rico, Guam, um, Puerto Rico, Guam, DC, DC is not a territory. I'm not an idiot. I know that (laughs) it's a district. Um, They all have service commissions and they administer AmeriCorps funding, the majority of AmeriCorps funding through the commissions. And they're all housed in different areas. Sometimes they're in the governor's office, the mayor's office, state's offices, sometimes they're nonprofits. But I want to just double down on what you said, because like when you said, I didn't know this was a career path. So if you are listening to this podcast and you are an AmeriCorps alumni, this is a career path and the commissions and the agency and all the people are looking for you. Like hands down, if you have any AmeriCorps experience, apply for any AmeriCorps job anywhere to Chad's point of like, I didn't know this was a career opportunity. This is such a sweet, that's another word that I try to say niche. <laughs> I guess yep. it's such yeah. a sweet niche that like, if you have any experience in it, you're valued, you're valued. Yes. And, 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 and you don't know that right. Until like you're in a position like you were, where it's like, well, I know this stuff. And then you realize how much you don't know, but you figure it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know, you don't have to, to necessarily have the experience. It definitely helps because you helps. come in with just that, like, understanding and awareness of of this national service world and ecosystem um and if you don't but it's good to have the drive and the passion for like wanting to learn wanting to understand that it takes a while to you know take a few years to get the hang of things from grant perspective and grant cycles and calendars and trainings and member recruitment cycles all of this um and so having at least some of the base knowledge uh can speed that up and make you feel a little more like I'm making an accomplishment like sooner maybe than if you didn't have that. So yes, I 
I agree. There's opportunities at your local level through um, through programs like being a program director or coordinator, or even if your skill is in financial side, there's gr- a lot of need for grant management and financial management in these organizations. And having an understanding of an AmeriCorps grant from that angle is huge. Um, also your service commission to national organizations that, that operate this to the federal agency AmeriCorps yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, we so I what am I what am I'm doing now? So I, I left the program. I went to the service commission in Iowa, uh, volunteer Iowa. I was there for ten years as a program officer, supporting um, you know all of our a lot of our AmeriCorps programs. I helped to lead a lot of our training efforts. I um, also supported a couple other initiatives that we had. Um, since I had the mentoring background, I supported, we have a mentoring uh, partnership and a mentoring affiliate through our state that supports youth mentoring organizations. Um, so I helped to kind of provide some TA and kind of coaching support to that program. And then um I became a disaster lead as well. So I would be building uh, training um, in disaster response and preparedness. And I also have deployed in that aspect. Um, And then again, after kind of my 10 years with the commission, um, there's this great opportunity to move to um, ask. I wanted to say real fast. So the episode that just launched last week, I, I shouldn't say dates because this is coming out. I don't know when, okay, so- Around the mid-August, uh, Rita Pratt, I put out a podcast, and so she's part of the disaster management uh, program through the agency. And I know when I was in South Carolina, we, you and I actually talked a lot because we were trying to create mm-hmm. an ADART and all kinds of stuff. Yep. Um, and that's huge. And can we can we just, just for the sake of people that don't know what yes. AmeriCorps does with disaster, like, let's go there, especially because like, you know, um, I, I was like, Rita's on her way down to Maui. She's like, I'm not going to Maui, but I will probably be deploying people. Yes. But um, let's talk a little bit about like that, like that opportunity. And I, I told you at the beginning of this, but right before we started airing and recording everybody, I told <laughs> Chad, he's like, is there a list of questions? I'm like, sure there is, but I never asked them. I just interrupt <laughs> and just kind of pull, pull the thread. But right here, I think it's important and it's exciting because mm-hmm. there's people that might be interested in like getting involved in AmeriCorps. And this mm-hmm. is not a recruitment podcast. This is just about service um, that might see like, oh shit, like I can help these people. So can you just touch mm-hmm. a little bit about that disaster stuff? Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm, I was very excited to hear that Rita was able to be part of this, uh, no, this journey as well. She's got an awesome story. So if you haven't uh, listened to her, uh, her podcast yet and her story, please, please go back and do that. Uh, and she's a great friend of mine as well. So um, yeah. So how do you get involved or like, if you're interested in it, um, th- I would say, Ultimately, there's always a need, there's always an opportunity to be engaged in disaster response. Um, The number one thing is don't just show up unannounced and not needed. (laughs) Um, And what I mean by that is there's this um, kind of philosophy, not philosophy, this kind of um, rule that we in disaster world say is if volunteers, if people show up without being asked, it creates a disaster within a disaster. And so what that means is right now, people using 
Maui and the, the island uh, Maui and in Hawaii is a, as our example. They're still trying to figure out where things are at, where people are at, what was, what's the full damage. They're still in that first responder phase. And so if you show up to say, hey, I will help clean up, I will help do this, and they don't have a spot for you, now, now they take the, somebody's yeah. resource time who's supposed to be doing that first response, and now they have to try to find a job for you or spend an hour gathering these people who showed up and either find a job or say, hey, we'll just take down your information and we'll call you in a week when we're more at that phase. So right. um, the big thing is, do your research, go online, Google how to volunteer in Maui or whatever. And there'll be opportunities that will show up and you can maybe either they'll be ready and the information will be there or there'll be a spot for you to sign up or a number to call to say, hey, I'm interested. What do you need? And they may need people, but they need them with specific skills right now. And then mm -hmm. in another couple of weeks, they may be able to take more yeah. general volunteers who are just energy and people and able body people who are wanting to help and not, um, you know, needing a specific skill. And so, um, you know, that's, that's the big thing. If you want to be more on the forefront of, of responding, get connected with a volunteer organization now who is active in disasters. So we call those VOADs, Voluntary Organizations Active in Disaster, V-O-A-D. So those organizations you become affiliated with them, you become trained within their stuff and within their their resources, and then you can be initially called on or be then then you follow their protocol. Um, and then you don't have to worry about figuring out who's coordinating that on the ground because you're already with this affiliated organization. There a lot of them you know and probably recognize, like the Red Cross or Salvation Army. There's Team Rubicon. There's um, a lot of faith-based organizations have um, these disaster response teams that you can do uh, and be a part of. And so, um, you know, if again, you could just Google National VOAD organizations and see what might be available, might be in your area to be connected with them. So. This was almost like a PSA. <laughs> that was amazing, Chad. Like that was so good. And I didn't know about this world. And so I became the director of the Maryland uh, Governor's Office on Service and Volunteerism 2019. And then we went right into a pandemic. And I was on calls every day with the local VOADs. And so I had to like, I didn't, I, I didn't know about this world, but your point is correct because um, I spent many, 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 many hours on phone calls with uh, constituents that wanted to help. And the only thing that I could do was point them into the direction of a local volunteer center or VOAD center. Um, so this is just, it's, it's so help. This is such helpful information, especially because like all of the crazy things, like, I shouldn't say crazy. All of the things that have been happening in our world over the last couple of years where we cross like borders of helping. And there is that thing. I mean, I remember somebody showing up to my door and she's like, I have a bag of masks and I want to donate them. And I was like, I don't know if we can, you know, it was just this thing, just like what you said, like, I don't know what to do with this material. So 
we'll move on from this because yep. I feel like this I, could one be other a thing, I'll, thing I'll just add though with wanting to help in any disaster money is king money is the hierarchy of anything unless you are tied to a specific person or group that's asking for specific items yeah. then you can send those items and stuff do not clean out your closet and send it because again that's a disaster within a Nobody disaster needs donation teddy management bears. no no one needs blankets teddy bears no. your old prom dresses none of that they need cash because that's helping instantly in the moment later on when people are back in their homes or back wherever they're at they might need some things yeah. at that point um, but they don't need that in the weeks, months immediately following any event. So, but yes, like, I think this I, is a whole series we yeah, could do. I'm, I'm just like, okay, so <laughs> I have a whole list of like ma mastermind, like this is going to go on to one of them where folks, yep. if you're interested in this topic, um, comment, reach out, reach out to me and we'll put something together where it's like, you know, what are the best practices on like, I don't know, just your average person. Um, supporting so yep. okay deep breath <sighs> that was good that was so good okay awesome so you, so you did that in the commission you were with the commission for 10 years that's a long yeah. time that's a lot of headaches <laughs> <laughs> yes and excitement and programs and yes. new programs and a lot of training new program staff uh and it, it was good it was great i i was able to experience a lot um, and a lot of change within the AmeriCorps agency during that time yes. and our, our programs. Um, and we saw a lot of, you know, great alumni graduate from our programs too, which was great. So, um, you know, through that, that time, um, commissions have an association that they get support from as well. And it's America's Service Commissions or ASC, ASC. Um, and they were looking to grow their capacity to support the commission network as well. And so one of the, the positions that um, um, they were looking to add and, and fill was a training and technical assistance manager, which fit a lot of my experience, a lot of what I did or felt like I did. And so um, that is where I'm at now is with ASK, America Service Commissions, as their um, TTA manager. Um helping really provide coaching and TA and training support to the commission network, um, which is our primary kind of membership base is if we have strong commissions, we have a strong network. Um, 80 to 90% of AmeriCorps programs across the country, AmeriCorps state programs are administered through service commissions. And so we are there as their association to support them. Uh, we do that in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of it is, small group or one-on-one -on -one kind of um, coaching TA support, um, or we do um, different trainings. We bring people together to learn from each other, from their peers. Um, and we also play a liaison role between the commissions and the AmeriCorps federal agency, just to kind of provide that other layer of communication and support and things like that. Yeah. And, and I, for those folks who are listening to this and have no idea what we're talking about, um, I don't know how to make, I don't know how to ground it. I really don't know how to ground it. It's, <laughs> it's like your count. Like if you had a kid in school, um, the America service commission was the counselor, 
like th that was the person that you go to where you're like, I don't know how to get my kid to do the homework. And they were like, okay, well, let me talk to the teachers and see what's going on. And, da, da, da. Um, and I can't tell you how many times that uh, my, in my role as executive director for Maryland and also South Carolina, that I really tapped into America Service Commissions. And what you said is absolutely 100%. I get it. Like, if we have strong commissions, we have strong programs and we have AmeriCorps members. Like the reason yep. of the, the genesis of this podcast is to talk to AmeriCorps alumni, whether they had a good experience or a bad experience, but nobody can have an AmeriCorps experience if AmeriCorps doesn't exist. And the funding doesn't come from the federal agency into the state to make these opportunities happen. And servant leaders and leaders who are, and not even leaders, like there's AmeriCorps members that don't want to be leaders. They just want to make, I don't know, an impact or a change. Can't happen if we don't have support. And that's what America Service Commission offers the 52 commissions across the country. And I've seen it. I've felt it. I've witnessed it. We've we've been in person. I've had the Chad hugs. I've had the Elisa <laughs> hugs. I have said to Rachel, these are all people that work in America Service Commissions. I don't know what to do. I get an email in a conference and I'm like, huh? and, and y'all are so helpful. Um, so I want to make sure that we ground this in like the layman's sort of experience of AmeriCorps. Um, but from 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 your vantage point, where do you see where do you see the commissions? Where do you see, I don't know how to frame this question. Where do you see the Amer the service commission's interaction with like all the way down to the AmeriCorps member and all the way into mm -hmm. that experience? Like, can you speak to that just a little bit? I, just to ground yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, I think in a few ways um, through our work. So uh, ultimately, we are there to provide support to commissions who are there to provide support to the programs to have a good member experience, who are recruiting members, who are bringing them on, training them, supporting them. Uh, those AmeriCorps programs on the ground in those local communities want to ensure those members that are serving have a great member experience. They do that through having a good understanding of the rules and regulations and what's required mm -hmm. and just kind of what's happening in the AmeriCorps world that they get that from their commission. Um, they may get it from AmeriCorps na direct nationally. Um, and so we, as the association of service commissions, try to help commissions understand that and make sure they're comfortable in um, understanding the rules and regulations in interpreting what they might mean um, and then also sharing amongst each other, amongst their peers across the commission network. I think that's really where our strong point is, is we make that connection to, oh, I get this phone call or this email. This is a challenge I'm having. Okay. We know that at least two other commissions just had that and we just talked to them. We connect them or we help share yeah. their, their resources and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can, we can do that. So I think it's all about commissions are making sure they have strong programs so that those programs can focus on having a good member experience for the members serving in their program. So I think that's one thing is we we try to help connect those dots and bring that piece to those states um, so they can bring it to their programs. Um, I think another way that kind of our work as ASK, as the, as the association, is we have 
uh, membership levels. So we have a commission membership level, but we also have a program membership uh, level, uh, an AmeriCorps program membership. And so if you are a uh, program and have an, an Amer uh, membership with us at ASK, you get access to talk with each other with uh, pro AmeriCorps programs and your peers across the country in an online forum. There's that. And to share resources that way. There's also opportunities to get professional development that we provide. We bring in trainers to do webinars. We do a startup uh, kind of webinar virtual series. And you have access to have um, uh, to to purchase a member assistance program, of, which is very affordable. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it essentially is a mental health assistance for your AmeriCorps members. They would then have access to uh, mental health counselors, um, as well as other services that the provider has. Um, but if you're a member uh, with us, as a program, you get professional development and these other things, but you also then have access to purchase this um, member assistance program, which is like a, an employee assistance program in EAP. So, um, you know, that's another thing we provide in this space to ensuring that members have a great member experience um, is that we offer that service, um, that fee for service opportunity. I think one of the things that um, I, I love the map like when I was mm -hmm. uh, part of uh, Volunteer Maryland as their director, we opted into that and it was very cost effective. And I actually had AmeriCorps members reach out to me and tell me that they mm -hmm. used it. So it is definitely an amazing um, opportunity. And I think one of the things that like, for those folks that are listening to this and, and might be part of like a collective or something and you know, you feel like you have to show up as the expert and, you know, in every convening or whatever, what I've learned from ask is that like, you, you really don't like, if you can just like bring people to the table, there's, there's folks like there were commissions, like, you know, the Colorado commission, the Washington commission, they always stand out to me of, of being these innovators. Um, you know, when, when you're in a situation where you're in an organization where you can bring people together, bringing people together is the key and allowing them to have these conversations and these interactions. And I feel like America's Service Commission did that really, really well and um, effectively, right? Like you can also bring people together and it's like, whoa, 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 everybody stop talking, like stop talking <laughs> over each other. Um, and I, I did feel like my experience was that like, and also this isn't a PSA for America's service commissions. They have not paid me anything, although I'm still looking for sponsorship. So America's service commission, <laughs> if you want more of these, let me know. Um, but I did find that like the communities of practice and, and everything that I participated in, I always came away with like, we could do it this way. And, and so to bring it back to like, somebody who might, might be listening to this and it's like, I still don't know what America a service commission is. If you're in an organization where you're bringing collective impact together, you bring the people to the table, but don't feel like you need to be the one who's um, the puppet master of everything. If that yeah. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of knowledge to be shared and a lot of expertise across the country across these networks and so um ask and somebody 
somebody will have it and be willing to share or pick up the phone and, and talk with you about what they experienced. So to, to circle it back to <laughs> the alumni experience, which you're an America alum. Um, so you kind of rose in the ranks of TTA, you know, technical training assistance. So what did you do any specific training on how to do that? Or were you just intuitively like, I see the value in what people have and you were just intuitively able to like pull things together, like technical, what is it? Technical, technical and training. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about like, or tell us all how we could become Chad whispers <laughs> or, or technical well, training whispers. I, I don't think we need, we need more of me, uh, <laughs> be, be your own self. Uh, um, but no, I, I think, um, I have an interest in learning. I have an interest in in presenting and and helping people, you know, understand things. And so, um, part of it is just knowing this content. But you don't have to just know this content to help people um, either, and to be a trainer, to be a you know a kind of a a coach or a you know technical assistance provider or things like that. It's it's really I think being comfortable talking through situations, talking mm. through scenarios and coming up, what are the best options for you in our, you know, here's our square we have to stay in. It doesn't mean that there's one answer in this square or in this bubble or whatever that looks like, or sandbox, you know, we're, we're trying to find what will work mm. best for the situation we're working in. And I think um, for me, that's just kind of how my mind tries to work. Um, especially in this space. And I think just professionally, I, I attend conferences and, you know, or, you know, read, um, you know, different articles or things like that. But even if I'm at an event or at a, at a training, or if I'm listening to somebody online or, or a, re, uh, a recording of something, I might not always, like the content might not be specific to what I need to learn but mm -hmm. I'm watching how are they yeah what activities are they doing how are they trying to engage the participants or the audience how what tools and tricks are they using you know and I that's where I take then what I do if I'm like and I, a lot of what I do now is not necessarily in front of the room training or presenting I do right. some of that but it's a lot of more one-on-one -on -one things so it's, I'm learning some new techniques of how I can um, support people in, in this space, especially in a virtual space. I didn't do a lot of virtual learning and now I do. And so I've learned different tricks that way. And I would say I just learned from watching other people primarily. Um, and then you just pick up what works for you. What's your style? Um, and that's just kind of how you can, you know, if that's of interest in kind of a being able to teach people or coach people in in different topics or or areas of interest then you know that's a way you can kind of learn i love that that makes so much that like makes so much sense to me because i remember like i was listening to podcasts and i was listening to the content and a lot of times i was listening to the interviewee i think that's the right word and then suddenly it shifted and i started listening to the interviewer and I, and mm -hmm. I was like, what kind of questions are they asking? And then I started watching them on my YouTube and I'm like, mm -hmm. how are they interacting? And, and that's, 
honestly where I felt comfortable, where I'm like, yeah. I think I can pull this off. I've been watching this for like five <laughs> years. Like, I think I know how to do this. And now everybody's yeah. going to be like, you're a shitty interviewer. I'll be like, whatever you interrupt too much. Um, <laughs> but I like, I think, I think to, to like sum up what you said was, um, when you become a technical and training person, it's, it's not about the content. It's about the delivery and it's also about like um, meeting people where they are and um, shoot, I don't know if I want to go there. Maybe I will. So I will, because I've seen you in action. Like I've seen you between two commissions, right? I've seen you meet staff members where they are and you do an amazing job of like, so was that something that like, you kind of figured out on your own because let me just frame this is that if somebody's in a position where they're and I'm going to use it of drowning okay if somebody's in a position where they just fell off a boat and they're flailing you have to approach them very differently than somebody who fell off a boat and they're like well I know how to swim and I have a life jacket on so whatever you know Mm-hmm. somebody will come here soon to help me and mm-hmm. there's also a difference of like somebody fell off the boat and they're on a life jacket and now they're floating out to sea where they're still calm and they're like i think i'm okay but there's still that bit of so do you mind just how do you deal with those sure. different scenarios i think um they're you're correct like they're all different they may all say, I have the same need, I, I have the same want and desire, which is a reality you have to face. Um, how you get there, though, is all different. And and through your conversations, you realize that might not be all, like, you might not all have the same goal or reality you want to have in those situations, but it's the perception you think it's like, I should be here and I'm not because I'm drowning. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, but I do have some safety things around me, you know, so it's really peeling back those layers to kind of help figure out the situations. And I think it's, um, you know, what are the, the goals or targets um, mm-hmm. and how are you going to meet them? And I think for the scenario where you're like, I, I'm here, I'm in this water and I don't know what's like, I can only just see like an inch in front of me. And so it's helping to realize, okay, how do we see three feet in front of you? Essentially, you know, how do we realize, Oh, over here is, this floating piece of board I can hang on to and I didn't I couldn't see that because I was so overwhelmed in kind of what this what I'm trying to accomplish and I just feel like there's no way to get out of it and so you just kind of work on that and work on that work on that to kind of be able to see a little bit more now progress might take maybe six months to get there whereas somebody who feels a little more comfortable but they're like I'm stuck on these three technical things you might be able to get to their goal in a month or less than that, or like just have a couple of conversations and they're fine. And so I think it's, it's trying to understand where the individual is at and then the environment they're in because the individual might be maybe feeling that way. And then is, are they feeling that way because they don't have the knowledge or they don't feel comfortable with the knowledge they have, or are they do they have support systems and then realizing this is who you can call or do they not have any support systems? And so then it's building that up. So I think it's, you know, it's really 
understanding the individual and then the environment they're in to help assess where our next goal is. And so I think every time I come into a new conversation that I'm helping somebody, I unless I know where they're at, I will jump into the problem that we're trying to solve. Mm. But if I don't, I spend that first part kind of just understanding the scenario yeah. and the situation so that I, I feel more comfortable in what I can direct in or guide them in. That sounds like disaster management 101. <laughs> it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And yeah, I like, think what are we doing make, here? You make a decision and it works. So you make another decision and yeah. it works and, oh, that didn't work. So you make a new decision. And again, that that's disaster management. So I think that's probably why I, I work well in that yeah. world as well, as well also, as just helping coach people. Yeah. I also just think that's, um, you know, all different people listen to this podcast. And so whatever level you're at, like, mm -hmm. I think that's like a really great perspective of um, assessing the situation before we get into like, let's solve the problem mode. Like, where are we at? And then also we want to also like, um, what's it called? Um, empower people to like solve their own problems, right? Like, yeah. if you're telling me what I need to do, then if it doesn't work out, it's because Chad told me to do this. And instead of like, oh, I'm going to do this and this and this. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is how I knew, I knew this was going to happen. I always know I have certain like guests on that I interview and I'm like there's gonna be rabbit holes it was really funny I um interviewed Trey Deadweiler I think that's his last name sorry if I got it wrong and one time I was like it, it's really funny go back and watch the podcast if you haven't watched it um I said I'm gonna say something but you cannot follow me down this rabbit hole I just want to say it now but we are not gonna go there and he goes like this but I need to say something. And I was like, okay, fine. Only one thing. <laughs> but I feel like Chad, you and I, I, I haven't, I, I don't have those boundaries. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but let's reel it back in because there's yeah. so, this is so many great things. I, and I think that like, you know, I, I think that it, it, it there's just a spectrum because what you're talking about is like management and supporting people and meeting people where they are. And, you know, whoever's listening to this podcast people might even be americorps members and they're like i don't know Amer americorps are they all dead what what the heck i don't know what that means um but let's let's reel it back in so we can make sure we you know end this on a really great note of like so you're obviously very passionate with america's service commission and very very skilled and amazing at what you do and uh, you know, I'm not part of American Service Commission anymore, but I love, 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 love the work. But you could Can't... be. We have a membership. We have program members I know. and we have individual they... membership opportunities um, uh, for even we also have our States for Service Coalition, which is our public policy arm that really does a lot of at the local, state and federal level work. And there's opportunities to be engaged with that. So you know, ultimately find out information at statecommissions.org or if you're more interested about kind of some of the policy side of, of engagement, it's statesforservice.org and it's states, the number four service.org. Uh, so, um, you know, those are, are just places to go to. Um, yeah. And we, we have alum member uh, uh, tiers as well. So, um, yeah, and, and I don't want to speak all about that because I don't lead that, so I can't be the expert. But there are those opportunities to engage. Yeah, and and honestly, I I have had ever since I started this podcast, like my Instagram messages just blows up 
all the time and folks reach out to me and they're like, what can I do? And I, I honestly want to steer them to States for service just because I feel like, and I'm going to ask you this question at the end, but I really feel like as an alumni group, like we can step forward and be civically engaged in this agency in a big way. But anyways, maybe we'll have a whole thing on that. Oh, that's another thing. Okay. So states, states for service, but this isn't your whole life, Chad. Like you're a rock star yeah. in your community. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Like I told you I was going to put you on the spot yeah. about this, but we have like a city councilman. Is it city council? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I'm uh, in council. my community, uh, the city of Andreant, Iowa. Um a town of about 8,000 uh, and growing um, community. Uh, I'm a city council member. Um, so I am in the process of completing my second term. I have a few months left. Um, I was appointed to this uh, term to fill out um, a term after the last uh, election a couple years ago. Um, and I, I think what drew me to the opportunity was um, it, it, it a, I enjoy my community. I enjoy um, learning about it, being involved with our activities and our events, our farmer's market, whatever that is. We have a great school district, just kind of everything that's happening. I, I enjoy it. And I enjoy kind of how we're growing and, and being a part of some of those those um, committees and, and initiatives. And so when the opportunity came up, I thought, well, it's a good good way to be more and in, more involved. And so um, I went through their interview process and the, the council selected me. And I think what I've learned from it is, you know, ultimately, and I, I knew this going in, but, you know, really it's reality, like nobody's you're not 100% happy. <laughs> like you're mm -hmm. never making everyone happy. Um, but in what I try to bring to my role as a council member is um, hearing about concerns or questions from the community, listening of what's going on um, and bringing those questions when we have those discussions at the council meeting. Um, and even in between council meetings, I'll reach out to our city manager and be like, hey, I see this happening. There, I And I'm now at a point where I can see something and I can uh, assume or predict that there might be a question about it or mm -hmm. on our community Facebook, someone will post about it. And, you know, like the, our city is good about responding to things and communicating, but sometimes we can do that as council members as well. Or just if the neighbor asks like, hey, what's going on over there? I see that changing. I can be prepared for an answer or, you know, you just be like, yeah, I, I'll have to get back to you. You know, I don't really know. Or this is it, but it's going to be a 10 year deal before it's fully complete. I think I really realized that too in this is yeah, yeah. government at any level doesn't happen quickly. <laughs> yes. Even in a smaller community, <laughs> yeah. it, it can, but usually it doesn't. And I feel um, like for, for our community, we are making decisions that are good for our community and we're doing it kind of fiscally smart I feel like mm -hmm. is we are budgeting out or we're like when we have maybe grant money or different different funding streams we will do this we prioritize certain things yes if it has to be done if there's that emergency or it's just it needs to be done because that's infrastructure like you do that but for other projects we look for different funding opportunities so we don't have to raise our taxes or we don't have to mm -hmm. um 
you know, cut some other program that people love just to fund this new item or this new thing because it's fun to have. We try to make sure that we are bringing amenities in our community that are helping our our town have a small town feel as we're growing. And so really that's that's driving um, a lot of our work. So I'm excited because I will um, sometime in the next week um, be dropping off my uh, paperwork to be on the ballot for this November to be um, elected for my for this next uh, full term, which is a four year term. So um, hopefully um, come uh, early November, I will know the fate of uh, my if I'll be able to continue on the council um, uh, for the next term. Um, but I'm excited. It's it's a new process. So this this what I'm doing now is I was appointed. So I have not gone through the full kind of going through our county auditor and filling out the paperwork, getting my signature. So I got all that done. And now I'm at the point where I can uh, get that filed. So, okay. Well, I, I have almost 50 followers on YouTube. I mean, <laughs> that's huge. That's one follower, almost like two followers a week since January. And this podcast awesome. didn't even launch until February. Um, so how could people support you? Like, could they like, I don't I, like I'm not affiliated with anything Chad like <laughs> you can we we can actually like you know talk about this stuff here I mean I don't know if you can it's after <laughs> hours I don't know um but what could people do to support you could they vote yeah. for you like what do we want them well to if do? you're if you're specifically in the the city of Bondra in Iowa and you're listening to this yeah please please get out and vote but I think ultimately though um it's be engaged in any yeah. uh opportunity to vote no matter how big or small you feel it is every vote is big um, yes. it's not just every four years during a presidential election there's an election every November do it and there's special elections outside of that time frame depending on your community your state your county um participate and be engaged that's that's the thing everyone should do everyone can do um if you have questions about how to do that please reach out um happy to Love help that. figure that out with you um happy to do that um i'm on social media or twitter um LinkedIn, um, you know, so maybe we can um, share those um, uh, Absolutely. links too in the in the, the podcast follow up. But um, yeah, happy just to help you figure that out or reach out if you have questions about what you know how to how to become engaged in your city. Um, I started out kind of more even before I was uh, on council. Is I we have it a tree board in our community um and trees like, like trees trees yeah and then like i i wasn't necessarily a tree expert but i appreciate having trees <laughs> and i want our community to have that and so we have a tree board we're a uh one of the um, a tree city usa partner program and so one of the requirements is you have this board so we did a couple tree sales we kind of helped the city assess our you know tree canopy things like that I just did that for a few years and got to know some people in the city. So there, there are boards, there are volunteer boards and commissions at your city or even county government that you can be involved in and you don't have to be elected necessarily into those roles. 
So maybe that's of interest. You're, mm. If you have a library in your community, they probably have a library board. Um, there's a lot of things. And, and you don't have to be an expert in those areas to be on them. Uh, they, they need people. <laughs> um, for one thing, so they will appreciate the volunteers. Um, maybe it's your student uh, or your, um, you know, uh, school um, or your, you know, um, higher education or whatever that is in your community, a health system that is looking for volunteers to be on committees. Those are great ways to be engaged and just to to step up. How does somebody look for boards? Um, do you just like search your county like if i was in google and i was like mm -hmm. you know i'm in anne arundel county maryland so anne arundel county boards and then mm -hmm. it would just have a list yep i would go to your your county um i would assume most counties have a county web page um okay uh you can also go to your city government your city page and they'll list their boards or commissions they have of, and and if if they're looking for people or vacancies um, if you're in a city, call your call your city office and be like, "Hey, I'm interested. What are the are, what are the boards and are there any openings?" Mm -hmm. And they'll get you in touch with the right person or people that have those. Um, uh, I'd say too, there's the uh, League of Cities. There's which national, but most states have it a, a state affiliated mm -hmm. League of Cities, and is another resource to reach out to them. Be like, "How do I? You know, this is where I'm at. This is where I live." I want to get involved. Do you know who I call? They might have those contacts as well. So okay. there's a lot of, I would say, a variety of, of ways to get that information. One of the things I love about this podcast is everybody shares a little nugget of wisdom that is totally different from <laughs> anybody else. And like, this is, this is mind blowing. And, and I think that this is so valuable from uh, AmeriCorps alums who are like, oh yeah, like I want to get involved and, mm -hmm. and I don't want to run for, I don't want to be in the limelight, but you know, a tree council, like Chad, I have an environmental studies background and I can identify those trees. Perfect. Like that was something that was actually <laughs> really funny when I was executive director of whatever I was, we would be outside and I'd be like, oh, that's a tulip poplar. Oh, that's a sugar maple. Oh, that's, and they would look at me like, how do you know these things? Like, cause that was my degree, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, uh, so I'd love to be on that. Mm -hmm. um, that's like such great, that's such good information. Um, yeah. ugh, that's just so tangible. Um, uh, okay. We're getting to an hour, which always happens. It always happens. I'm always like, I can't make these shorter. <laughs> I've tried, I edit them. I'm like, I talk too much. Maybe I'll just edit out what I say. <laughs> and a lot of times that's what my edits are. It's like, probably this, I talk too much. Um, I want to make sure that we're sharing everything that you wanted to share and touching on everything that you wanted to touch on. I know that our pre-interview, we, you know, it was, it was good. And we, um, we want to make sure that alumni mm -hmm. are empowered and engaged and, and have action items. So before I ask you my final two questions, what else do you want to share with us? Because you are amazing. Well, thank you. Um, this has been a great uh, conversation um, and excited to be able to share all this. So I would say um, something else I would ask is as an alum, wherever you're at, reach out to your service commission and ask also, how can you help? Most commissions are always looking for 
commissioners, which are their board members. Um, a lot of them are appointed to be to be that. And so, you, you know, every state probably goes through a different process of what that is. Um, but your commission can help guide you through that. So say, hey, I'm an alum. Talk, call the executive director, call someone on staff if you know that and 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 ask like how how can i be a commissioner how can i be on your board they also have committee members they're looking for whether it's to help mm. um with volunteer recognition events or grant review if you want to read americorps grants annually um, and help score them they'll be looking for those people every year so those are some easy ways too as an alum to continue to give back and support this work that that you did as a member and that we all do every day um, in our roles. Uh, and they're always looking for people. And again, alums give that perspective that uh, especially in like a grant review or thinking about like a commission's goals and priorities of what they might want to look at for the year um, if you want to be that commission member. So um, I would say do that um, and, and reach out that way again statecommissions.org. We can give you that contact information if need be through our website. But again, if you just Google your state service commission um, where you're at, usually it comes up that way as well or find them on social media. That was so good. <laughs> it's so perfect. And it's so true. And I, yes, to all of that, because when I was in the commissions, we were always looking for those things. And I will just say one thing, when you search Google state service commission, add AmeriCorps. Cause if not, you're going to get like the energy <laughs> company <laughs> so, or Correct. something. So yes. do state service commission, Colorado, AmeriCorps or state service commission, yep. Alabama, uh, yep. AmeriCorps. Um, Chad, this has been so great. Um, I'm going to ask you the big question and I feel like, I kind of feel like you already touched on it, but like, what do you see for us? So you're an AmeriCorps alum. You're still in the business. Like, you're still in it. You're in it big time. Like, Ask mm -hmm. is not a, a small player in this. But from Chad's perspective, from your perspective, like, you know, we've got 1.2 million AmeriCorps members who are alumni who've gone through this program. And um, what do you think the biggest impact that we could do as an alumni? Like, what do you see for us? Um, yeah, so AmeriCorps, you know, we're around 30 years now. We're launching the 30th year of AmeriCorps. There's been a lot of great things that have happened. I think the, you know, the program, the structure maybe has changed since it started and how we like track things. But the core of it is people serving in their communities, finding the need, and AmeriCorps is there to to meet that need. We talked about it in disaster. AmeriCorps members are on the ground now in Guam after their uh, typhoon uh, big storm earlier this summer. They'll most likely be on the ground in Maui here in the near future. Um, they're on the ground in local communities from just the little, I'll say little because it wasn't a, like a federally declared disaster, right. but smaller flooding events or smaller storms. They're on the ground for a day or two. They're the local meeting that need. But even there's members, there's people serving in schools, supporting um, tutoring, supporting after-school programming, out-of-school time, or they're providing legal assistance or, or training, or they're doing volunteer recruitment. I mean, it's the core of AmeriCorps is still there. They meet the need, 
in those communities and members are doing that day after day, which is amazing. So I think what's next is, you know, we're, we're doing that. We might be doing it in different ways than we did 30 years ago or managing it differently or the funding is looks a little different um, or, you know, our members are making a little bit more, which is awesome, you know, but um, ultimately the, you know, I think the new awesome thing that's coming up next is we'll have more people doing that. Well, more people doing this and hopefully I think, and maybe this has happened already. I don't know how well we track this is, do we have um, AmeriBabies who are members now, <laughs> you know, people yes. who served, uh, who are AmeriCorps alums who got married and they have kids and maybe those kids, uh, that generation are now serving as AmeriCorps members. And so telling that story and just continuing this, passing this opportunity on to our future generations. I love that. Maybe that's going to be my next call um, for interviewees is um, the AmeriBabies. And while my children, you know, were not two AmeriCorps members, but me, I'm like still really hoping my daughter's just finishing college. And I'm like, you should just do an AmeriCorps year. And she's like, if I see, if I hear AmeriCorps one more time, <laughs> I'm like, dang it. <laughs> But I think, I think I can get her. I think I can get her. Yeah, that was great. That was so good, Chad. Like sharing those stories, getting more people out there and doing it. And um, yeah, and, and, and not forgetting your service, right? And like not forgetting that like it, it made a difference at the time. So that was so good. This was great. Um, I really hope, and I know people are going to get so much out of this podcast. This was so good. I feel like my podcast just keeps getting better and better. Like, ah, it's so good. What's so bad is at the end of these podcasts, I just am like, I run around my house. I'm like, I want to do so much. And <laughs> all I have to do is edit it and then get it out. But um, thank you so much, Chad, for thank being you. open. And this was a wonderful conversation. I'll give you the last words. You close us out. What are we doing? Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you all for serving. Uh, those who are serving, those who are supporting programs, um, and um, encourage you if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I had a great service experience 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, go out and volunteer, take a take an hour to volunteer and do something, go clean up a park or, you know, call, call a friend and um, kind of remember that we're here to just give back and support our communities. Perfect. All right. And for all of you, we'll be back next week with another AmeriCorps alumni interview. Thank you so much. And um, AmeriCorps Connections, that's what it's about. See ya.